Today we are looking at Ruth chapter 3. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 414. Ruth chapter 3. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, He poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Thus ends our reading of God's unfailing word. May all who hear it place their faith in the one who will not rest until he brings about redemption to those he loves. Roughly 14 years ago, when my family and I left for Thailand, we really had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. We had, we had just rented out our house, sold almost everything that we owned, and then left behind our family and our friends. We moved half a world away to this, this foreign nation And it was there that we were really relying on the the generous gifts of God's church to to keep us afloat. We didn't know the language. We didn't know the culture. We were just trusting in God 
that, that he would somehow carry us through and, and ultimately use us for his kingdom purposes. Faith requires risk. It's putting your life in the hands of someone else, believing that, that they are strong enough, that, that they will be good towards you, and that they will not rest until they bring you safely to the other side. And it is this type of faith that, that we see demonstrated in our story for today. We are now in our fourth week of this book entitled Ruth. And it is in this narrative that, that, that we have seen really three major themes kind of work themselves out through the lives of Naomi and Ruth and now Boaz. First, there's God's providence. How, how he works through the mundane and the, and the ordinary things of life to bring about his will. You, you see, in this book, there, there are no miracles. There, there, there is no dramatic healing. There, there, are, no any, there are no signs. There, there are no wonders. But what we do find is God working through people. And one of the ways he, he works through these people is, is through a demonstration of his hesed love, which just happens to be our second theme. This, this hesed love is a love that is merciful. It is a love that is kind. It is a faithful loyalty that God has towards his people. And this is what we find in these wonderful, wonderful characters of ours. A hesed love. And it is through this love that, that we see our third major theme emerge. For this love it leads to a purposeful end. And that purposeful end is God's redemption. Throughout this story, our author has been leaving us hints, clues, if you will, of these small acts of kindness that demonstrate God's way to bring about the redemption to this widow who was struggling, to Naomi. A woman who not only lost her husband, but her two sons as well. But if you recall, it was just two weeks ago when we saw our first glimmer of hope. As this daughter-in-law named Ruth was determined, determined to stay with her mother-in-law. She wanted to look after her. And even though that meant a life of poverty, even though that, that most likely meant the forfeit of her own happiness of her own future marriage, she was going to stick by her side. And then last week, we, we, we saw that hope get even brighter as Ruth found herself gleaning in, in the field of a man named Boaz, who, by the way, just happened to be a relative of Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. And it was because of the hesed love that, uh, that Boaz had, uh, the kindness that he showed towards Ruth, that, that Ruth was able to bring home a, an ephah of, of grain, of barley. If you remember, that's, that's a lot of barley. Uh, enough to feed them for probably at least a month, if not more. 
And so both her and her mother-in-law would not go hungry. And it was that. That was really the, the, the turning point for Naomi, this woman who was struggling with bitterness in her heart towards God. For she was beginning to see that, that God's hand was, was upon on the good things in life as well. And the fact that Ruth led, or the fact that God led Ruth to Boaz's field was just the icing on the cake. For this kind and this gentle man, he was one who had the power to redeem her dead husband's name and to bring joy to her once again. You see, Naomi's heart was softening, and she was ready to believe in the goodness of God once again. But what would this newfound faith cause her to do? Let's look at our first verses. Look at verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> one day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor and don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. If there was anyone in our story who was familiar with God's providence, it was Naomi. She understood more, more often than not that, that God works through the actions of, of humans, of his creatures to accomplish his will. And she knew that it was God's providence that led Ruth to Boaz's field in the first place, this field of the kinsman redeemer. But as of yet, this, this Boaz, as kind as he has been, he had not stepped forward to redeem both Ruth and herself. And so Naomi figured that to just sit still and do nothing was not an option. Rather, she would seize the moment. As, as believers, believers in Christ, we too should understand God's providence in, in such terms. That there are God-given opportunities all around us in which we must take the initiative. Perhaps you find yourself with a new neighbor. Why not use that opportunity to welcome them into town by inviting them to dinner in order to have a gospel influence upon them? Or maybe God's put it on your heart, put on your heart the needs of, of orphans. Why not open up your home and have a lifelong effect on a young soul? Perhaps you feel God is asking you to speak up and to become more vocal. Why not get some training in, in both teaching and in preaching and that you can use your voice to advance God's kingdom? You see, this, this is how God works through his church. He, he sets before you situations. He, he sets upon your heart these desires where, where you may have to take the initiative where you may have to take the risk. This calls for courage. This calls for bravery. 
It calls for stepping outside of your comfort zone. But when you do, when, when, when you trust in your God to take that step, you will be able to watch his kingdom grow right before your eyes. And that's something to, something to lay your eyes upon. Well, Naomi, she understood that if anything was going to happen, she would have to make the first move. And so she told Ruth, let me find you a husband. Now, in Jewish culture, it was the duty of the father to secure a husband for her daughter. But once that daughter had been married off, then her well-being was now the responsibility of her new family. And if a daughter-in-law's husband passed away and she had no sons, typically the the father of that dead husband would would then locate a kinsman redeemer for this widowed woman. This would ensure that the name of of the dead son would would be carried on. And it would also ensure that, that the ownership of the inheritance of the land would stay within the family. This this is what we see described in the Law of Moses. Look at Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 and 6. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, the widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Well, as clear as these instructions are, in Naomi's case, there was a complication. For there was not one widow, but three. For there were three dead men. Killian, the the husband of Orpah, his brother Malan and the husband of Ruth, and then, and then Elimelech, their father. And so we had three widows as well that needed to be remarried. Orpah, well, she was back in Moab, so she was out of the picture. Naomi, well, she was too old, too old to have children. And, and so even if she were to find a husband, it would do her no good for for she could not have a son and therefore restore the name of her husband Elimelech, thus recovering the inheritance. This leaves us with Ruth. Ruth was really the the only option for his son to come forth. But there was a problem. There was no father to secure a husband for Ruth. And as of yet, no kinsman redeemer had stepped forward to claim this responsibility. But why? Why why hadn't Boaz, this this kind, kind man, taken upon this role? Perhaps he he just thought, well, Naomi's too old. Perhaps he hadn't even considered that that Ruth would would be a viable option to restore the good name of Elimelech. For whatever reason, Boaz had yet to make a move. But opportunity was knocking And Naomi, she was going to open up that door, open up it wide. You see, Boaz was going to be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. This would be a a place, a a secluded spot in the dark of night. And so it would be the perfect time for Ruth 
to approach this man. You see, the, the, the typical practice for one who was winnowing grain was, was to stay with his crop at night in order to guard it before it could be stored away that next day. And Naomi knew this. And so she comes up with this plan of hers on how to get the two of them alone. Ruth would prepare herself as a bride would prepare herself. She would wash. She would put on perfume. And then she'd put on her, her, her best clothes. And then once she was ready, she would go quietly down to that threshing floor and wait until Boaz was asleep. She would then lie down next to him and uncover his feet. Not all you single ladies out there wanting to win a man, maybe this is the way. I'm just saying. I mean, all kidding aside, what, what we see going on here actually is the clever wit of Naomi. You see, she was pretty much going to subvert societal norms by having Ruth propose to Boaz. But in order to do so, Ruth would have to wait, wait until Boaz was alone in order to save face for both Boaz and herself. It was not culturally appropriate for a woman to make the first move. And so if this had been done in public, it would have been a disgrace to Boaz. And if Boaz said no, then it would have brought shame upon Ruth. And yet, in the dark, in the secret of the night, when there would be no one around to witness, it would save face for both parties. But what was this thing about the feet? Why did Naomi want Ruth to uncover Boaz's feet? I mean, doesn't that seem strange? What was that all about? Well, the answer is, is simpler than you think. This would, would be just Ruth's way of waking this man up. I don't know about you, but, but having cold feet in the middle of the night is, is very uncomfortable. Boaz would eventually feel the chill and then stir awake and then have to sit up in order to recover his feet. And when, when he was sitting up, it would be then that, that he would discover Ruth who would be lying right there in front of him. And by that time, if there was anyone else that, that was also at the threshing floor, they would have been fast asleep, allowing Ruth and Boaz their privacy. You've got to hand it to Naomi. She, she comes up with some crafty schemes. But the question, the question that we need to answer is this. Would Ruth follow her plans? Which, which you go along with what Naomi was asking of her. Look, look at verses 5 and 6. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. What Naomi was asking of Ruth was a risky, risky thing. For one, she had no idea if she would get caught by, by the other men at the threshing floor. If things went awry, this could, could ruin her reputation. Plus, there was no guarantee that Boaz would respond positively. 
Would he be offended by a woman proposing? What if he said no? Would he tell others about about what she had done? Suffice it to say, there there was a lot that could go wrong. And and yet, Ruth trusted her mother-in-law. And she did all that she was told to do. I mean, after all, Ruth wasn't doing this for herself. That's not who she was. No, she would do this for Naomi, the woman whom she loved. She had faith in her mother-in-law and in, in the plan that she came up with, believing that Naomi knew what was best for her. Well, let's see what happened next. Look at, look at verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Here we see this man, Boaz, enjoying the good life. A good meal, perhaps some wine to drink, the cool night to take in the stars, and and a grateful heart because the Lord had blessed him with a good harvest. There is no doubt that this man was in good spirits. And he would sleep easy that night after a hard day's work. And this worked out perfectly for Naomi's plan. For we see that Ruth was able to approach this man without waking him from his slumber. She uncovered his feet, lied down before him, and waited. For how long? We have no idea. We just know that it was in the middle of the night, whenever that was, that Boaz stirred. Perhaps he heard a noise, but... More likely, he startled himself as he would have been shivering from his cold feet. He he would have turned over. He would have sat up. He would have tried to recover his feet. And at that time, he would have discovered this dark shape lying before him. A figure that should not be there. And as his eyes adjusted and he started to make out the form, he would discover that it was a woman. This, this disconcerting finding would have only woken this man further. Why was a, a woman lying at my feet? And who was she? Did I drink too much wine? No, that can't be it. I, I can remember everything. Certainly, certainly I would have remembered a woman at my feet. And so Boaz, he, he asked this mysterious woman a question. Who are you? Wasting no time, Ruth got right to the point. I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. Revealing herself to this man, she, she made her intentions known. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, what was that all about? In many Arab countries today, uh, there is still this 
marriage custom where, where a man will symbolically take a wife by placing the corner of his garment over his bride. This represents both his protection as well as his willingness to welcome her into his bed in the hopes of producing offspring. This, this was pretty much what, what Ruth was asking of Boaz. Marry me and welcome me into your bed. Now in the Hebrew, the, the, the phrase can be literally translated as this. Take, take the underside of your wing and cover me with it. And what I find interesting about that, it, it's almost the same exact phrasing that we saw in Boaz's prayer from chapter 2. Look at, look at chapter 2, verse 12. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz was praying this for Ruth, and now Ruth was asking him to answer his own prayer. Bottom line is this. What we see in this idiom that was used at this time, it was a description of a marriage proposal. Protect me. Put your wing over me. Be my husband. Boaz, since you are a kinsman redeemer, marry me. Help me to regain the name of my family. I hope you understand the bravery that this woman had. What, what, what she did was just not done. And she had no idea how Boaz would react to her, how he would respond. She had no clue whether her reputation would be sullied. Such a bold thing to do for a woman who was so vulnerable. And yet she trusted in this man, trusted in his goodness, trusted in his kindness, for she knew him to be a God-fearing Israelite. How did Boaz respond? Look at verses 10 and 11. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Just as before, here we see Boaz speaking tenderly towards Ruth, using words of acceptance such as daughter. For the first thing that we see Boaz doing is blessing this young woman. For this is something that he knows. He, he knows that she is not seeking this marriage for her own benefit, but for the benefit of her mother-in-law, Naomi. For, for, for the one who, who really needed to be redeemed was both Naomi and her husband, Elimelech. You see, when, when Ruth invoked Boaz as a kinsman redeemer, what she was ultimately doing was acting as a stand-in for her mother-in-law. And thus the first son that she would bear would not be her own. Rather, it would be Naomi's. And Boaz, he recognized this. And this is why, why he said that Ruth's kindness was, was greater than the kindness that she had shown earlier. That she was actually more noble than he had previously guessed 
She had not run after these younger men, whether rich, whether poor. In other words, she she chose not to chase after men who, who could satisfy her own desires. There were those who were rich that, that could have given her a good life. There were those who were poor that, that, that could have given her true love. And, and either one could have given her her own son. But Ruth chose a different path. She had chosen family loyalty instead of worldly temptations. Her, her actions were neither that of a greedy person nor, nor that of a person who, who was driven by her own passions. She, she set aside her own preferences for the benefit of the one whom she loved. Her mother-in-law, Naomi. Isn't this exactly what Christ calls his church to do? A sacrificial love? This is what we read about in, in our first scripture reading. Look at Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus turned and said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Often in life, you will find that the world will look very, very attractive. Just like the young men that, that Ruth could have ran after. But the world cannot redeem you. Just as those young men could not redeem Naomi and they could not redeem Ruth. No. There is only one true redeemer. And his name is Jesus Christ. And, and, and he calls us to, to set aside our own worldly desires, our own preferences, and to take up his passion, which is to seek and to save the lost. But in order to do so, it will require sacrifice. It will require trust. But that's what true faith is, is it not? It is, it is a belief that, that, that God has, what God has for you is so much better than what the world has to offer. It's so much better. And even if we don't see it, we must believe it. You see, Ruth, she knew that in order for Naomi to be redeemed, it would require a sacrificial faith, a risky faith. And this is exactly why we see Boaz praising this woman. That's who Ruth was. She would give up everything for Naomi. But Boaz went on. He, he did more than just praise her. For he, he then relieved her of her worries. All the worries that she probably had. He, he told her, do not fear. Don't be afraid. I will do what you ask. Now why would he say yes to this woman's proposal? Because of her noble character. Because she was selfless. Because she was sacrificial. You see, in the eyes of Boaz, Ruth was a true Israelite. And she was worthy of being his wife. And yet... Just when we think that all is well with the world, Boaz then said these next words. Look at, look at our next verses, verses 12 and 13. Although it is true that I am near of kin, 
There is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Now I have to imagine upon hearing this news that Ruth's heart sank. What? There's another man who stands in closer relation to Elimelech? Who, who is this man and, and why have I not heard of him? Did, did Naomi know? And if so, why didn't she tell me? Why didn't she send me to, to, to that man? Perhaps this other kinsman was the very reason that Boaz had not made a move to redeem. Perhaps Boaz knew that it was not his right. Perhaps he knew that that unless this other man had relinquished that right, that he would have no true standing. And that that he should not infringe upon the claim of this nearer kinsman. Often in life we are faced with a choice. We can either do what we feel is right, or we can do what is actually right. Right? And it is the latter that is typically the difficult choice. Because it requires both patience and and the willingness to lose out. You see, Boaz, I'm sure that he most likely knew that that, that he was the better choice for Ruth. And it it would have been so easy for him to to just say yes. to, to, To give in to what he wanted. And to give in to what would actually be best for Ruth. But Boaz was a man of integrity. And he was a man who would do what was actually right. And not what he felt was right. And so he would not spread the corner of his garment over Ruth. At least, not yet. Well, this left Ruth in suspense. I mean, would she lose out on this man who had been so kind to her due to some legal obligation? Would this, would this other kinsman redeemer take care of her as well as Boaz would? Her fate was now in the hands of another man, a man she did not know. Again, faith requires risk. But... At least she had the promise of Boaz that if this other man would not marry her, then he would. So one way or another, the name of Elimelech would be redeemed and Naomi would once again have joy. That night as she laid at the feet of Boaz, I can only imagine all the questions that were running through her mind. I mean, who was this other man? How would Boaz handle the matter? What would be her fate? Just, just too many unknowns. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if Ruth didn't get a wink of shut-eye that night. Nor for that matter, Boaz. Look at verses 14 and 15. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When he did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. 
I can only assume that the reason Boaz and Ruth were awake so early was because they did not sleep. In the dark of this early morning, before the sun had truly risen, they both decided to go home. And that was when Boaz wisely instructed Ruth to continue her secrecy, lest any nosy Nellies were out there and discovered her coming from the threshing floor. Lest rumors started concerning her and Boaz. I mean, what would the town gossips say? That, that an old man took advantage of a young foreign girl? That this Moabite seductress sullied the good name of this respected elder? That the two of them were, were a couple of clandestine lovers just out for their own pleasure? Or even worse, that they were trying to defraud this near kinsman through their illicit affair? No, Ruth must not be seen coming from the threshing floor. For that might cause even more of a complication when Boaz sought to do his duty to do what was right. But what if she did get caught? What if, what if someone noticed her walking home from the threshing floor? That's when Boaz came up with this clever idea of his own. He gave Ruth these six measures of barley. This would explain away her presence there. For she was just once more going back to her benefactor in order to get food for her mother-in-law. Yes, this grain would shut the mouths of any who happened to see this young woman walking home. Well, Ruth did make it home, and once again she was greeted by Naomi. Look at, look at verse 16. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? She told her everything Boaz had done for her. And added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Well, if Ruth had a sleepless night, I'm pretty certain that Naomi did as well. I'm sure she had many questions that she wanted answers for. How, how would my daughter Ruth fare this night? Would she follow my instructions? And how would Boaz react? Would, would he spread the corner of his garment over Ruth? Would he redeem our family. And so as soon as Ruth walked through that door, Naomi blurts out these words. How did it go, my daughter? Quickly, tell me everything. Are you his wife or not? Of course, Ruth did tell her everything. About the proposal, about Boaz's willingness to redeem, but also about this near kinsman, about this other man who, who had a claim. What would Naomi think of this unexpected twist? Or was it unexpected? I mean, here's the thing. In, in all likelihood, Naomi knew of this nearer kinsman. I mean, how could she not? She had been married to Elimelech for the majority of her life. She would have known who his closest relatives were. And yet she desired to see Ruth happy. This is why she sent her to Boaz and not to this other man. She wanted to make it clear to him that he should be the one to fight for her. That Ruth should be with him and with no one else. Now, did she know how Boaz would handle it? Perhaps not. Maybe she thought that, that he would just marry Ruth on the spot in the hopes that this near kinsman wouldn't cry foul. Or it could have been that he would have just said no, and then, then Naomi would just have to figure out what the 
next best option was. Yet she put her hope in this man, in Boaz. For she knew how he was. That, that, that he was the kind of man who cared for Ruth deeply. That he was a strong man who would fight for what, what was best. And this is why she said what she said next. Look, look at our last verse. Look at verse 18. The Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. The man will not rest until the matter is settled today. The reason Naomi had sent Ruth to Boaz in the first place was because that she herself had placed her faith in this man. The Lord had put Boaz in their life for a reason, and Naomi knew it. And now she was going to place all of her chips on this man. If there was anyone who would make certain their redemption, it would be Boaz. This man whom God had led them to. This man whose name means in him is strength. This man who, who expressed a hesed love towards them. This man who was faithful in all that he did. This man who would not rest until the matter was settled that day. Dear friends, this, this is what true faith looks like. It is a confidence. It is an expected belief that, that God will not rest until he rights every wrong. That he will not rest until his redemptive work is complete. I may not know all that's going wrong in your life right now. I may not know all that needs to be redeemed. But what I do know is that there is one who is strong. What I do know is that there is one who is good. And what I do know is that there is one who is faithful. And what I do know is that there is one who will not rest until the matter is settled. And that one's name is Jesus Christ. Just as Ruth placed her faith in Naomi, and just as Naomi placed her faith in Boaz, Christ is now asking you to place your faith in him. For there is no one who is nearer than Jesus. He is your true redeemer. He is strong. He is faithful. He is the one who will fight for you. And he will not rest until the matter is settled. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now as a people in great, great desperation. We cannot make it on our own, but we need a Redeemer. One who will rescue us from our plight. And that's why we look to your son. It is only through Jesus that we can find this one who is strong. 
It is only through Jesus that we can find this one who is good. It is only through Jesus that we can find this one who is faithful. And it is only through Jesus, your son, that we can find this one who will not rest until the matter is settled. Give us faith to believe in him. We pray this in his name. Amen.